Welcome, church family. So good to be with you. And we are in Revelation chapter 5. So if you would turn your Bible open to Revelation chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, there's some provided for you right around you. You can open up your phone or whatever you have to get there. Revelation chapter 5. It's the last book of the Bible. Now I want you to think as we, as you turn over there, about the greatest take your breath away moment you've ever experienced. Like one of those moments where you're like, okay. Maybe it was the birth of your firstborn child or your first grandchild. Maybe it was uh, coming on a scene in nature where you just didn't expect it. And it just, the majesty, the splendor of the moment just took your breath away. Perhaps it was a moment where you met the Lord face to face, heart to heart for the first time. And it it just captured you. Or maybe it was the first time where you ever led someone to faith in Jesus. And it was like, Wow, God can really even use me. So think of that moment, the great take your breath away moment. As Revelation chapter 5 is one of those moments. Probably one of the top, at least the top three moments in Scripture. Number one for me has to be where the disciples come running to the tomb and it's empty, right? And they're like, whoa, it's real, right? They think, man, I... Jesus is risen. He's risen indeed. And they're, you know, celebrating that and all the power of Christ conquering sin and death for us. That's number one. And number two or number three, one of those is right here in Revelation chapter five. I'm going to read it. I just want you to let it soak in and sink in. And then we're going to dive a little bit into some of the details, some of the questions you might have about it. And then at the end of the message, I'm going to just ask you to respond by rising up where you are and just saying, Jesus, you are worthy because, okay? So I'm giving you a fair warning, and uh, we'll join in worship that way at the end of the message, Revelation chapter 5. This is, and the context is, if you haven't been with us, John is taken in spirit into the presence of the throne room of God and sees the splendor, the majesty, the power, feels the rumble of the thunder of the presence of God, and sees people around the throne of God that are hard to describe for him, but he's describing the scene, and it's full of like brilliance and the majesty of God, and these, these beings are responding to the presence of God in worship, proclaiming his goodness and power and might and the riches that are there right in the presence of God. And, and we, as we were thinking about it, just, we're just getting the whiff of it, right? Of what heaven will be like one day when we get to be in the presence of God. For those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus. Now, Revelation 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne 
and the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Then I looked. And I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands upon thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. And the people of God said, Amen to that. So when we began the series in Revelation, if you missed it, we said it's not just, Revelation is not just a book about the details of what's going to happen next. It's a book that reveals First and foremost, the living Lord Jesus Christ to us in his splendor and majesty. And I don't know what image of Jesus that you had when you walked in the doors today, but Revelation chapter 5 helps fill in the blanks that you might have. That he's not just simply a prophet who walked in Judea in the first century, but he is the reigning almighty God full of power and majesty and strength. So Revelation chapter 5, it opens with the Lord God on his throne holding a scroll. And the scroll, a lot of people have guessed about what's, you know, what's on the scroll because we don't have it filled in for us. There are some clues in scripture about what it might be. It might be the title deed to the universe. Who is worthy to take this and owns it all? Who has all the power in their hands from now and forevermore? Or it might be a, a judgment lien. Because what's going to happen in chapters 6 through 20 is an unfolding of judgment. That is what God is going to do to hold all people of all time accountable. And then how God is going to bless people who have received by faith in Christ God's mercy and grace and be delivered from judgment, and escape the wrath of God. So it might be a judgment lean in his hand, or it might be the Lamb's Book of Life, which is a book that's talked about in Scripture multiple different places, and it's the listing of all those people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. So for many people here, your name's on that book. It's written there. And so it tells us uh, here that the scroll is written front and back. It's, it's crammed full of information. It's a big book. 
and it has seven seals on it. So it can't be opened by just anybody because it's a sealed legal document in the first century. They would take their ring and wax and seal those, those documents. So only like for a will, when that person died, then it could be opened by the person who is an authority. They could open that for you. Or if it was a legal description document, it was the same thing. It couldn't be just opened by anybody. Only the person who had the authority to open it could open the seal. And that's what's happened right here. A mighty angel comes, we're told, and says, who's worthy to open up this? Who's worthy under heaven? Who's worthy on earth to open it up? Um, We were talking about it on elders on Tuesday night, and Mark Bartlett said, okay, the description of the angel is like a, it's not just like some weak sauce angel. It's like this bad mamma jamma angel. You can quote Mark for that. It's this, it's this strong angel who comes, and you would expect to be able to open it up, but could not open the scroll. None, no one could open it. And in response, what happens? John starts to weep, starts to cry. We don't know all the reasons why he cried. It's just, it's this emotionally overwhelming moment when he sees that um, the future of mankind can't be told or opened and revealed to people. Or perhaps for John, he's working through this. This is a book of judgment. Who's going to come and be our champion, our deliverer? Perhaps he's thinking, where is the one that I've placed my faith and trust in? Because he, maybe he could do that. Um, we were in small group this week, and we were talking about this, and I loved this um, insight that Camilla, my friend Camilla had, she said, you know, I, uh, I came from Romania and I grew up under a communist regime and um, in the market, in the stores, there was nothing. You would go into a market and there might be one or two things. You didn't have a selection. You were just hoping to get any food. And so there might be just a couple things on the shelf and hopefully you got something you could scare up some kind of meal. And then, she said, I I moved to the United States, and I was taken into my first supermarket. And I saw just aisles of, like, the same thing, all this selection. And the whole market was filled with stuff. And I just started crying. I I was so overwhelmed by the moment of all the goodness around me and the supply and the riches around me. Now, John had to be really emotionally vulnerable, right? Because he's been taken into the presence of God and seen the splendor and majesty of heaven. And he's got to be emotionally like overwhelmed like my friend Camilla was in that moment and to see the riches of God and then to wonder if he could be a part of that, if, if this was going to be his or if not just for himself, but for all of his friends and his family members and, and all of mankind, would they get the opportunity to have the mercies of God? And he starts to break down and just weep in the moment because it looks like no one has the authority. No one has the power to deliver. And then a, a hand is on his shoulder, at least in my imagination. He's told, stop weeping. You don't have to cry. Because there's one. Actually, from the very beginning in the plan of God, there was a Messiah. 
the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's a, a descriptive phrase. Genesis chapter 47 is the first place where it pops up, where, where the lion of the tribe of Judah is going to come. He's going to be the Messiah. And he is the root of David. That is, he comes from the Davidic line, Isaiah chapter 11. This is the one who is going to come and, and has, is worthy to open the seal. And so you can imagine in your mind looking for that one. You know, you're crying, you're hoping above all hope, and you look for the lion like that Aslan, you know, figure in Narnia, and you turn your attention to see the conquering lion because the, you've been told he's the conqueror. And what do you see? It's the Lamb of God. The Lamb is there standing, looking like it's been slain, like it's been tortured and executed and killed. It's the Lamb. That moment had to be the take your breath away moment, I think, for John. And he had to be thinking of what he himself had written when he quoted John the Baptist in his own gospel that he wrote and was inspired to write by the Spirit in John chapter 1, the first chapter when he's talking about Jesus' baptism. When Jesus comes to meet John the Baptist, John the Baptist declares, Behold, look everybody, it's the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. That's what he's got in his brain, I think, in the moment where he sees the Lamb that has come, the one who is worthy, the only one who is worthy. And in response to that, in response to the one who is worthy, the lamb takes the scroll. He receives the scroll. Actually, it's the present tense in the language used in the Greek that he receives and he still holds. He still has the power in his hand. He will always have that power in his hand because he is appointed to rule. According to Jeremiah 23 and 33 and Zechariah 3 and 6, this Messiah was appointed for this moment. And he takes the scroll and receives it. And as he does, all those other creatures around the throne, they just break out in worship, which is a clear statement of the deity of Jesus, that he is God in the flesh. A lot of people I've known and I've had conversations with about Jesus, they have all kinds of confusing ideas. They make it up, you know, as they go, what they think about Jesus. But the Bible is very clear about who he is. That he is not only the one who has come to save us and give his life for us, but he is the risen Lord, the almighty God. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And here in Revelation 5, it gives us this, a stunning picture of the lamb who has all the authority. And as he takes the scroll, they all bow down and they give him glory and honor because he is worthy of that. He is worthy of worship. And I love this, this imagery of the prayers of the saints, don't you? Where you see this, this scroll mold. Now, the, it's an image of what happened in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, they had they had pieces in the temple that would be kind of the shadow of what was to come into heaven. And in these bowls are filled with incense that would rise up. And it was a picture of how our prayers are a sweet aroma to God. So when you pray today, when you pray this week, you're 
You're burning incense in a way. You're, you're attracting God, and he loves it. It's a sweet smell for him when we pray. So the prayers of the saints are pictured. And as this, all, as this scene unfolds, we're told that there are myriads upon thousands of angelic beings that all of a sudden join in to the chorus of praise. It's this crescendo, the 24 and the, 20, and the four living creatures. And then this, this mass of angels. It's the, it's the, for the, the word myriad in the original language is, is the, the largest number they can use. So what John is saying is innumerable squared. I can't even number all of these angelic beings that are breaking out in this worship service with loud voices proclaiming the worth of the Lamb, how he alone is worthy. And heaven starts to rock. But it doesn't end there, does it? That's not where the picture in five ends. Because it says this, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever ants and tadpoles and hippos and lorikeets and angels and humans, they're all joining in in chorus to praise. Isn't that a great picture? We are built for this, men and women. This passage in Revelation chapter 5, it just uncovers some of the, the key truths of our faith. First, we're utterly and entirely dependent on the Lamb of God. Who is worthy to open this seal? And the answer in scripture is there's one and Lance and I know him. He's the lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the earth. That's him. He's, he's the worthy one. And I'm entirely dependent. This week, I'm going to be entirely dependent. I'm going to be hanging out with a group of little guys in VBS. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm entirely dependent on what happens in their life, on the Lord God. When you're at work this week, or wherever you might go, maybe it's on vacation, you are entirely dependent on the Lord God of heaven and earth, Jesus, who has, according to the word here, he has redeemed you. Don't you love that line where it says, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people. When you died on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, Scripture says he paid the penalty for your sins so that you might not experience the judgment of God, but that you would be delivered and receive the grace of God in heaven is in store for you. And if you've never made that decision right now today, you can enter in to relationship with God and be confident of your future by placing your faith in what the Lord God has done for you, what Jesus has done for you on a cross. He has ransomed you and paid that price. You just need to receive that. And he's done that for people from every tribe, from every language, from every generation, every person he's done that for. Here's another great truth that the central paradox of Christianity is that Jesus conquered and he did it through sacrifice. He could have done it through his might, but he did it through sacrifice, through becoming not just the lion of the tribe of Judah, but the lamb who was slain. 
And that act changes history eternally. That act on the cross where he died for me changes everything. Even into heaven where it says, look, the lamb who was slain, because he has done this, because he is ransomed, he is worthy. Jesus reigns supreme. And that's the truth here in this text in, in chapter 5, that he reigns, that he rules. And God's eternal plan is to redeem a kingdom and priests. He has purpose for you. He's redeemed you for specific purpose, for us to be a kingdom that comes from every tribe and language and people group, like all different looks and sizes, all different backgrounds. He's done this so that we might be priests, that we might worship, and we might draw other people into worship. And finally, our eternal destiny is to worship. That's our destiny. Every creature under heaven to worship and to rule, that he gives us authority. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. We'll talk about some of the details as we go through Revelation. But I do know this. This day, this moment, I can participate in the worship of the Lamb. I can join with all the chorus of heaven into this and proclaim that he is worthy to receive it all. So that's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to ask you, if you would be bold enough, to just proclaim it where you are. If you want to stand, that's great. If you want to keep sitting, that's great. And just proclaim the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we're not going to do that for show. We're going to do it for worship, to join in together. So whoever would like to be bold enough, make sure you say it loud enough, okay? If you're sitting up there, you guys, um, wherever you might be, say it out so everyone can hear. And we'll just join our voices with heaven, declaring the worship of God. With all creation, with people from every tribe and language, every background, we lift your name up, Lord. We do declare that you are worthy of all praise and honor and glory and majesty. Our hearts long for the day when we see you face to face. And we even say, come, Lord Jesus. But this day, this day, Lord, receive our praise because you alone are worthy. All God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. For more information on Bridges Community Church, please check out our website at www.bridgescc.org.